Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, last week, uh, Jason asked a question, what is better than life? It's your love, Lord. And what a joy to come this morning to just glean at your feet, O oh God, to listen to your word. Lord, I pray as we look into the Psalms today, Lord, we, I ask that you will speak to our heart again, O oh God. I pray the Lord, it will bless our lives like never before. I pray as we, we read the scriptures, oh God, that light will come from the scriptures. Your words say the entrance of your word gives life and understanding unto the simple. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 that the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So I pray for the spirit of wisdom upon my life, oh God, as I speak your word. And I speak and I ask for the spirit of revelation to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, good morning. So we, last week, uh, Jason began to look at uh, the book of Psalms. I mean, it's quite interesting that there are about 150 chapters in Psalms. And we have put it upon ourselves to look at three Psalms. So you can imagine how difficult this is, you know. And I love Psalms a lot. Okay, imagine my name is Dio. If you don't know my name, I'm one of the elders of the church. Just a title, don't worry. Nothing serious about that. My name is just Dio. Okay, so, but today we want to look at um, a psalm that speaks personally to me as a person. Um, psalms are writing of the deepest emotions. You know, psalms should form part of our worship. Uh, Paul, in, uh, I think if you look at the next slide, Paul encourages us to, um, to always talk about Psalms. And if you look at Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, you know, Paul said, Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So when we worship, when we come before God, you know, it's important that we have a time to read Psalms because it, it embodies so much about who God is. In Colossians 3.16, the Bible says, Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through Psalms, aims, and songs from the Spirit. So we can see here Paul admonishes us that it is important that we create time for Psalms. Because Psalms are amazing. Psalms gives us access to the raw emotions of the writer or the singer. It takes us on a journey about real struggles and how to overcome them. I mean, if you read Psalms, you will understand that they were written at a particular point in the writer's life. For example, if you look at Psalm 121, you know, David said, I will lift up my eyes up to the hills. And then he asked a question, where else does my help come from? And he said, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So Psalms helps us to understand real struggles and how to overcome them. And for me, I love Psalms a lot because when I'm at a particular point in my life, I look for a Psalm that speaks to it. Because I'm able to read this and I'm able I, 
I'm able to, it becomes part of what I'm going through. So I will encourage you that if you are not into Psalms, it, it is so rich that I will ask you to just, you know, spend time reading it. Like I said, about 150 chapters. You know, Psalm contains 2,461 verses. Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing to just read Psalms. And also, the longest chapter in the Bible is in the book of Psalms. The shortest verse in the Bible is in the book of Psalms as well. We know Psalm 119. In fact, a few years ago, I met, I met a, a child. He was 14 years old. This lad could recite the whole book of Psalm 119. I was super impressed. Because Psalm 119 has about 176 verses. And this lad just like, woof, just going for it. I was like, this is amazing. And if you've got kids, if you've got, you know, if you've, uh, you know, if a parent, I would admonish you to you know, get your kids to read Psalms as well. You know, I've got, I've got two kids and, and, you know, you can test them. You know, they, they, they know their Psalms as well. You know, Lois and David can read Psalm 91. It's about 14 or 16 verses. They can read Psalm 103. They can read Psalm 121. But trying to go through Psalm 23 with them. You know, they can stand and read this because it speaks into their lives. You know, you know before they go to bed, we, 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 we take time. Let's read Psalm 121, you know. You know, and, and I will lift up my eyes, you know, up to the heels, you know. So, please, it's something that you should you know, create time to do because it's amazing, amazing. And, and, also, and also, when I was growing up, uh, when I was in secondary school, you know, some of you may not know this. I, I used to be in the choir. You know, I don't look like somebody in the choir, do I? <laughs> you know, I used to be in the choir. And I remember I went to like a, an Anglican school, like a Church of England school. And, and, and when I was in the choir, we used to chant. <laughs> we used to chant psalms. You know, literally, I can stand here and I can chant a lot of psalms to you. I'm not going to do that this morning because my voice is terrible, you know. But, but growing up, it was amazing. You know, when I stand here and I can quote, like, you know, a whole psalm to you, it's not because I've actually stood or I sat down to read them. <clears throat> it was because when I was growing up and I was in the choir, we were made to chant the psalms. And today, when I stand... And I read, and people are like, wow, you know so much of the Bible. Well, yeah, I do. But sometimes there were those dealings. There were those things that I was made to go through when I was much younger. And that's helped me today to stand and, you know, just flow through the book of Psalms as I know today. So, you know, that is why I love it so much, you know, just a bit of a background. Now, today we'll look at Psalm 27. You know, for me, it was so hard to choose a psalm because I, I mean, I know so much of it. And so I was like, which one will I choose, Lord? And I feel uh, Psalm 27 speaks a lot into my life, and I hope it will be a blessing to you guys uh, today. Now, have you ever, ever been in a dangerous situation and wondered if you will ever get out alive? Do you have fears or worries? God often uses danger and adversities in our lives to remind us of what is important. And this gives us an opportunity to consider the shortness of life and focus our minds on what really matters, our desires and goals for this life in the light of eternity. What kept David going in a dangerous and difficult situation? What was his focus and priorities in this life. Psalm 27 recounts 
David supreme and so heartfelt desire to worship the Lord in the midst of challenges and helps us to understand his heart. So we're going to read these amazing psalms today. So Psalm 27 should be on the, on the screen. And it, because, you know, like I said earlier, you know, Paul admonishes us to what? To speak to one another with psalms. We're going to read this together this morning. Okay, so if you're ready, we're gonna, it's on the screen. So you have your Bible as well. So this is the NIV translation. So you can read along with me. So we're going to read this together. So after three, two, one, we go. When you're ready. Three, two, one. Let's go for it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Hold on. When you read, <coughs> sorry, because I'm snow grammar, you know, it's a question mark, you know. So I want you to read the way to law. Mm, whom shall I fear? You know, whom? Because when you, read, when you have a question mark at the end of something, what should you have afterwards? An answer, isn't it? So whom shall I fear? No one. So let's go again. Three, two, one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, For the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Amen. This is like a conversation. Here's David writing this. It wasn't just, it wasn't a prayer as it were. It was what he was going through and he wrote the psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? This guy was going through a crisis. Can you imagine somebody going through a crisis and all he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. How do we know he was going through a crisis? Look at verse 2. He said, when the wicked advance against me to devour me. I mean, there were dudes that wanted to kill this man. It was in a crisis. It was in a terrible situation. 
And yet all he was able to say is, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Friends, when you come to a crisis in your life, what is the first thing you say? We can get a clue from David. The first thing he remembered is the Lord is my light, my salvation, the strength of my life. There are four things I want to touch on this morning. It's David's description of God, okay? And then we look at David's response to challenges. And then we look at David's desire and David's petition and admonition. Hopefully it takes like five minutes each. <laughs> we'll see how we go with that. But the first thing he did was anytime David faced a crisis, it was so certain the source of his strength. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For me, it's so, it speaks so much into me because we... You know, sometimes we go through a crisis in our lives, and the first thing we want to do is to find a way to solve it. But David would not do that. The first thing David always does is to go back to God. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, David described the Lord in three different ways. He said, the Lord is my light. Now, he didn't say the Lord is the light. Because it, it kind of personified it. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. And if you look at the book, or if you look at the whole testament, there was never a time that God was referred to as the light in the whole testament. The, the closest to was in Malachi 4, where the Bible says that he's the son of righteousness, that we are right with healing in his wings. But if you go to the New Testament, you realize that the word light was used expressly for Jesus. In John 8, 12, the Bible says, I am the light of the word. You know, in John 1, when John began to introduce Jesus, he said there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him, all might believe, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And this light is Jesus. So when David said, the Lord is my light, it was expressly talking about Jesus. That David lived ahead of his time. He was called a man after God's heart because he understood so much about God, as we'll see later in our text. And he said, the Lord is my salvation. Salvation in Hebrew is Yeshua. God is salvation. So the Lord is my salvation. He is my salvation. Matthew 1 21, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So when David said, The Lord is my salvation, he said, The Lord is my Yeshua. Yeshua is salvation. He realized that whatever he goes through in life, there's only one person that can save him. His name is Yeshua. And when we come to, when we, every day we come before God, we are praying to God. But we say that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We have an assurance that when we call upon his name, we are saved. 
So when David said, the Lord is my salvation, he was saying, I can't save myself. Psalm 20 says, some trust in chariot, some in horses. But we remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and falling. But we arise and stand upright. David said in Psalm 46, God is my refuge. He is my strength. A very present help in times of trouble. There was something David understood about God. He is my salvation. And he said the strength of my life. Who is the strength of your life? You know, we are going through a crisis. And most people, their strength is their bank account. What is the strength of your life? What do you base your confidence on today? For David, he said, no, I've got so much wealth, but that is not where my heart lies. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What are you afraid of this morning? What are your fears? I mean, there are real fears today, isn't it? You know, with all the crashes going on around us, people are afraid, you know, yeah, I was a few days ago, you know, you look at the energy crisis. I think it jumped by almost like 1,500. It was 1971. It went to 3587. <clears throat> Don't mind me because I have to re- remember these numbers because, <laughs> you know. But, and then you go through the news and you see people, you know, like, oh, what's going to happen? You see people like so much afraid. You know, already they are forecasting that people will die of winter poverty because they won't be able to, you know, put the, the gas on, the heating up. And then you ask yourself, where do you go when you're in crisis? And David said, no, I know where to go. The Lord is the strength of my life. is my light. is my salvation. I know there are crises around me. In David's time, it was war. David was surrounded. You know, Saul tried to kill him several times. I mean, no one is hunting for our lives today, so we are okay. So when this was written, it was written in dire situation. This was the worst of situation a man can be. Somebody that you try to help, and then is after your life. I mean, David saved Saul's blushes. Saul could not even stand before Goliath. David helped him. And now this guy is after his life. Every time, David kept running from Saul. So David was in a very terrible situation. So what we are going through is nothing compared to what David went through. And yet, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When you face crisis, when you are on the sick bed, what do you do? Where do you go? Oh, friends, I've been there myself. I've been on the sick bed for three months, and I didn't know what was going to happen to me. So when I'm talking to you guys, I know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you, go, you get to a point in your life, you don't know where to turn. You don't know who to call. But you know there's a God that answers prayers. And then you're on the sick bed of where you are. You say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Oh, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Oh, whom shall I be afraid? When these issues come against me, I know 
he is there for me. And look at what he said afterwards. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. I mean, this is crazy. Can you believe that? Can you imagine there's war and there's an army around us here? Can you imagine that? And then David, uh, imagine there's an army around us here. And David said, you know what? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. What? What audacity? What confidence that will make a man to utter such words? In the midst of chaos, there is a man saying that though an army besieged, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then, in verse 3, even then will I be confident. That should read, even then I'll be so afraid. <laughs> but David said, even when there's so much going on. You see, David's crisis is directly proportional to the level of his confidence. It is not inversely. It is directly proportional to the strength of his confidence. The, the more the crisis, the stronger his confidence. And that speaks to us today. That don't lose your confidence when you're going through crisis. That is when your faith should be more resolute in God. I mean, we've heard this morning about Lindsay, you know. And I know you kept reading that verse, that with God all things are possible. I've heard that from him several times. I've lost count of how many times he has read that Bible verse. In this will I be confident that there's a possibility in God is able to do the impossible. And I'm going to trust in him regardless. Though there's cancer around me. Though this thing is not going down. Though they're saying that, oh, it's past surgery. In this will I be confident. I'm not going to lose hope. I'm not going to lose heart. I am going to be confident. I'm going to stand on his word. In this will I be confident. Life challenges are not if challenges. They are when. You know, I like my preposition. I know when and if are not the same. They are not, life challenges are not if, it's when. There's no one that will not go through a challenge in their lives. And if you, have, if you are not going through it, I love you so much. Oh, good luck. I just, I admire you and I wish I would be like you. Um, you know, I wish, I just want to be like you. That you have got nothing going on in your life. I just... And I pray that I'll be like you. And, and, and there are people there. You may not be going through a crisis now, you know. It does, you, but you may have gone through a crisis, or you might go through one. Life challenges are not if, they are when. You know, they are when. And, 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 and that's why the Bible says, and if you could look at Isaiah 43, it says, when you go through, not if you go through. We will go through challenges in life. But it is how we respond to these issues that makes us different to an unbeliever. Because I know the God, so if I'm going through a crisis, I know that God will deliver me. And even if he does not deliver me, he is still God. You know, Shadrach, Mishan, Abednego, they said our God whom we serve is able to deliver and he will deliver. But even if he does not, we will not bow. So God can deliver. And if he doesn't, it doesn't change him. We don't serve God because of what he will do for us. We serve him for who he is. 
for who he is to us. In the midst of the greatest challenge, David was resolute in his confidence in God. In this will I be confident. So what is your confidence? Jeremiah 17, 7 says that blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. So is he your light? Is he your salvation today? Do you know him as your Lord? If you're in this place and you don't know him this morning, we urge you to consider knowing this so that he becomes your light. He becomes your salvation. Do you spend time in his word as well? Your source determines how you respond to life's challenges. So when you are afraid, are you able to say he is your light, he is your salvation, and the strength of your life? So we can see David's response to challenges is because of his confidence in God, because he understood who God is. There was a revelation of God. Now the third point, what gave David this confidence? Why was he so confident? What was that one thing he was always desiring <clears throat> all the time? Imagine you met David and you asked him, hey, King David, you are, if not the greatest king in Israel, what was this one thing that kept you going? Now we're going to look at from uh, verse four. Is that one thing I asked from the Lord? This only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. <clears throat> so this section begins by David saying, one thing I have desired of the Lord, this will I seek. What will follow is David's sole and only desire in life. This is David's priority. It was everything he lived for. His sole desire was to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. And if you look at Psalms, you see all time and time again, you know, Jason last week, Psalm 63, it was all about, you know, the courts of the Lord. You know, your love is better than life. Earnestly, I will seek you. You can see that David's sole desire is just to seek him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I want to urge you this morning, seek him. Seek his face. One thing I always desire, beyond all my accomplishment, all my travels, one thing that despite being the king is to dwell in the house of the Lord. No wonder Paul took a clue from David. If you look at Philippians 3, you know what Paul said? He said, forgetting everything behind. This one thing. You see, I, I have realized that oftentimes people will, will succeed. They, they, are, they always have a few things they focus on. Focus is so important. When you focus on something, you know, you are blinded to everything else. Oftentimes, you want to do everything at the same time. Sometimes it doesn't work. When we focus on one thing, it does help us. And for David, he said there's one thing. There's just one thing. If you look at Paul in Philippians 3, he said one thing. And today, I want us to be a church of one thing. That we'll say this morning, that one thing we desire, that we may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. <clears throat> and friends, the house of the Lord is not this building. Okay, this is not the church. This, is, this, this place is not the church. 
you know, we are the church because we are the body. Okay, this is just a meeting place. So when you go back home, you are the church. Wherever you go, you become the church because you are the light in that place. So we don't have to come, we don't have to dwell in the house. We don't have to stay here every day. So in our context, we're not asking you to stay in this place every day of your life. We want you to go back home, spend time in his presence. Because his Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we see that David's desire was just to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. And there were two things he was looking for. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Okay. And also to inquire in his temple. So when we come to God, we, we behold this beauty. This morning we've sang songs. We are beholding the beauty of the Lord. And also we inquire in his temple. Jeff has led us in, in you know, where he read earlier. You hear a voice. This is the way. You know. If you look at David's life, um, I think in Second Samuel 5 or so, there was a time that he was dealing with the Philistines. And twice, God gave him two different instructions. You know, the first time he said, go. The second time he said, wait. When you hear the sound from the mulberry trees, then attack the Philistines. So we can see that we can, we can inquire. You know, God can speak to us. We can hear a voice behind us. That this is the way. Are you in a crisis? You're not sure what to do like we prayed this morning. You're not sure where to go. We can hear a voice behind you. This is the way. Go in that direction. And lastly, we'll see there is petition and admonition. Now, everything I've said to you so far looks like this guy is wow. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? He's so strong. Oh, look at King David, the strong guy. But No. David is an interesting man. David also had anxiety problems. David was not a macho big man. David was a man that was, he had a lot of vulnerabilities. In fact, it felt like David was a man that was depressed sometimes. He was a man that was open to anxieties. And that's why I love David. David was not shy to reveal his anxieties. If you look at if you look at from verse seven to twelve, hear yeah, my voice when I cry, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. And then He began to say, Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me. Do not forsake me, God, my salvation. Though my father, my mother may forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over, please, Lord. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. This is a guy that was going through a crisis. It wasn't just the big guy, oh, my confidence is in the Lord. Friends, we always get to that point in our lives where we feel vulnerable. And that is why I love David. David was not showing us his big side. David showed us his vulnerabilities as well. He's a man that was anxious. He thought he was going to die. He began to cry to God. So God knows us. And I want to just hand with Hebrews 4. I love Hebrews 4 so much. And I'm going to read it to you. Hebrews 4 
from verse 14 to 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. And he encourages us, let us come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can what? Receive mercy and find grace to help. In times of need, so when we come to a place where we are so anxious, we are worried. Herein lies David. David is saying to you this morning, I have been there. I have been there. I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly how it feels to try to get things done, and you don't find any way to get it done. So David pled for God's mercy and petitions him, you know, and David encourages us. If you look at the last few verses there, he says, in spite of all my anxieties, in spite of everything, verse 13 and 14 gives us an encouragement. And I want to encourage someone here this morning with this. I remain confident of this. I've got verse 13. I will see what? The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. In the midst of challenges, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Be strong. Wait, be strong, take heart. David is saying, look, I am anxious. (laughs) This is not the best situation of my life, but I am going to wait for the Lord. I'm going to take heart. I'm going to wait for the Lord. He said it twice, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And that is my prayer this morning, that even this place, Things are not, or you're watching and you feel like, oh, there's a lot going on in my life. This is an encouragement to you this morning. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. David's saying to himself, look, there's an army around me. Wait. An army. Wait. There's a crisis. Wait. Be strong. Look, the best person that can encourage you is you. Bible says that David encouraged himself. When you're facing crisis, sometimes, yeah, it's good to have friends around you, but the first person to encourage you is you. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. We haven't got time to talk, tell stories of how God has helped in the past. He said, wait, wait, be strong. And wait, I say, on the Lord. 
So this one, what are struggles? And this is how I want us to respond this morning. That, you know, <clears throat> you know what, what it's, it's, it's on British to kneel down. I don't know, is it? I'm not sure. But whatever is, whatever is this is not about, it, it's all about how you respond to this. You know, and I feel that people in this place, that if you don't want to go down your knees, I'm just ask the band to come forward. I'm going to sing one last song. You know, if you want to go on your knees and say, God, I, I, lay, I lay my struggles down. You know, have you got a child that you're worried about? Have you know, do you know somebody who is going through a crisis and you're like, how can I help them? You can just say, Lord, we just lay it down before you this morning. We lay it down before you. In spite of his challenges, David never lost hope or doubted. So the Lord is our salvation. We have confidence in the Lord. You know, and we need to develop a heart for worship like David. So I respond this morning, what are our struggles? Why don't we lay down the faith of Jesus? What have you built your life upon? You can say, Lord, I want to build my life on you, my desire today, nothing else. That I may know you, like Paul said, and the power of your resurrection.